Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of I'm Like Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host, Christian Klett, and today I am joined by someone, oh, this is a new one for me, on a communications crusade to help develop comprehensive and effective messaging across our organization. So coming to us from Dallas, Texas, Ms. Gerlin Gersey, welcome to the show. Hi, Christian. Thank you so much for having me here today. Honored. It's great to be connected, Gerlin, and uh, you know I've loved all of our conversations so far, and I'm looking forward to diving in on this topic because uh, this is something that you're very passionate about, um, you know, and I've got some experience in this field as well. But um, you know, today it's about you, so let's go. So let's focus on the topic of the strategic role that people in communications play within a B2B organization. I know that sounds a bit like a mouthful, but it's a function that in many cases, and correct me if I'm wrong, it tends to be either overlooked, taken for granted, or treated as out of sight, out of mind. So why do you think the communications role is so important? Yeah, that's very well said, Christian. I think as we look at communications now, it's more important than ever, especially considering the times that we're in coming through the pandemic. Um, there has been a greater need for companies to advocate with more transparency, more clarity, more precision in the way that they show up corporately, but also, and most importantly, with their employees. So communications can no longer be something that is out of sight, out of mind. And now more than ever, corporations are more responsible for what they're saying and how they're showing up in the marketplace. And the communications function is a real engine behind that, because you're not just going to show up to say a couple words. You need to show up authentically and strategically with your messaging and transparently, because now there's more accountability more than ever. Probably for the best too, if I might add. I would agree with that. I would agree. Yeah. Do you think uh, at least, uh, maybe let's just zero in on your organization, right? Um, do you think that it was because of the pandemic that the, um, the communications role has gotten a bit more limelight or were there some other factors at play there? Mm -hmm. I believe that there were already factors that were at play. I think for everyone, the pandemic in itself just kind of pushed those factors forward. I think there's always been an under curdling where there was a need for more communication, more frequent communication, more transparent. And I'm not saying that my company wasn't already doing so, but now it had to be increased at a velocity and a scale that it wasn't at before. So as we're looking at these times, as we're looking at where we are, um, for my company specifically, we just had to really go all in and we changed a lot of our modes of communication from not just sending out emails, but now we're having like let's talks and all hands and pulling in the right experts and personas that need to be there to address what those concerns generally are so that we're getting people information in real time, quickly, as, as transparently as we can do it. And that's how we're trying to put forth those modes. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You you actually just made me think of a question. If if, if I may throw that one at you, oh, right. um, if you if you can, um, just 
let's think about like what happened pre-pandemic and then when the pandemic happened mm -hmm. and the current situation. How do you think the communications role, at least in your um, organization rather, um, how do you think it's changed? Sure. Most of my insight that I can offer in my organization is from the vantage point of during pandemic, because that's when I joined on specifically to present. Um, but I can also share a little bit of what I've heard before, which is kind of echoing what I've mentioned already, in that there was just a lack of clarity. Um, and then there was a a lack of just getting in the forefront of, of getting in front of our internal employees and with our own strategies. So by the time we're coming into the pandemic, which is again, my vantage point, we've established some cadences of how we reached out to our internal employees, but we also had to fine tune it because it went in a form of excess where it was probably too much. And then we were overlapping in some of the modes and the channels that we used to communicate. In some senses that could work, but because there was so much overlap, we had to now peel back into, you know what, what is really effective at this point? What is, you know, I don't know that you can over communicate per se, but it's, you, you're looking into some time sucks now. So it's like, oh, if we already have an all hands that addresses this, do we need one that does this also? Okay, that's too much overlap because, you know, we're also looking into a culture of, you know, fatigue, video fatigue and all those things. So now you have to be cognizant and mindful of, you know, which way would be the most digestible for people to receive information now. So it, it will start from a point of kind of being overly done, then it can be further niche down and curtailed into now that we have a little bit more insight and, and employee listening into how people are receiving that information, how our employees are responding to it. Now we can move with that understanding now in place. Yeah, no, those those are definitely some interesting insights there. And of course, um, there, there's something there that um, I, I would say we, we could get to in a later point of the conversation in terms of the uh, preferred platforms or mediums. And it's and it's and I'm not saying preferred platforms in terms of what the communications team prefers to use. Um, I'm, I'm actually referring to like uh, the platforms that the, the users would like to absorb this content and information on. Right. OK. Um, and you've probably seen a bit of this, but talk to us about some of the common mistakes um, that marketers make when it comes to communication and uh, what can be done to address these. When I think about marketers, and I think we've been on the end of receiving um, information from fellow marketers out there, um, outside of actually producing it, we have received it. And from my standpoint, and also I'm not entirely a marketer, I'm more in the communication sector directly internally. But um, what I can say is I've just seen this kind of lack of cognizance with their audience as it relates to this, this marketing messaging. And it's it just comes in at an altitude that is just a miss. <laughs> so um, I think if, if I could point out one thing and that might fold into maybe a, late, a later question and discussion point, but I would just say this, this lack of cognizance around who your audience is and who you're speaking to. And then secondly, personalization. There is a real lack of personalization sometimes. I believe, you know, we've we found out that there's so many um, systems that we can utilize to kind of scale out our messaging, especially as marketers, you can, there's so many like automated apps that you could use, but then it's sometimes we're using at the expense of the personalization. And as we look at the times we're in, as we consider like social selling and social um, outreach that you can implement into your strategies, you have to come in with something personalized to get that person's attention, to get that click, to get that open. And I think we often sacrifice 
um, the personalization for the scale, which is something that should definitely be remedied. Yeah, you brought up a really interesting point, and I think it's uh, it's a pattern that I've seen uh, just in my experience working with corporate. Right? Do, do you think that that's a, that's an issue that a lot of corporations struggle with this lack of personalization? And and going back to your point, um, they they want to do the communication at scale, so they you know they use that as the well, for lack of a better word, excuse not to personalize. <laughs> Yeah, I think it could be used as an excuse in, in some senses, but equally, I think there's some other factors at play when we look corporately. Um, there's also a very large premium now on inclusivity and the way in which you have to have your outreach efforts and how you reach out to certain audience, you have to be mindful of doing it inclusively and, and pronouns now and things of that nature. And, you know, when you have some of those areas that you just have to be mindful of, it sometimes might stifle some of the creativity of the outreach, which I can completely understand, but equally you're representing a corporation and you have to be mindful of how the corporation is showing up. And in doing so, that will have you remove some language that you might think is okay, but because you have to remember the umbrella of the corporation, you have to forego that. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, certainly, an exercise in which you can't really please everybody, but you have to find a compromise to a certain extent, right? Yeah. Um, for the next question, you kind of brought this up already. And I think one of the, uh, it was one of these concerns or these issues, right? About like a uh, lack of understanding of um, who the target audience is or who the recipient of this piece of communications is, right? So talk to us based on your experience about why it's important to have a strategy and conduct research before implementing a communications plan, especially if it's supposed to be an effective one. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, so when I think about that, we think about the audience and um, a terminology that I use all the time is getting the right altitude. So for me, where, where my role sits, I'm in executive communications and I support one of our senior executives, but equally, the audience that I'm primarily going to be, you know, providing that strategy and communication towards are senior level leaders. So I have to dial in on understanding what level of leadership are we speaking to, and then further dial into on that persona, once you've identified that persona, what are their care abouts? So if you are taking, for example, you know, a director at this level, okay, what is their purview? what is under them, what are some of their problem areas, and then that understanding where your audience is will let you know as you're pairing your messaging to that and then putting in the right altitude to it because you can't get too much into the weeds when said person that you're reaching out to is not necessarily in the weeds. And then that then ties into what is the call to action to here, to this now. It's you know, are you trying to inspire them to go into some type of enablement process? Is this just simply to inform them? Is it to let them know this is just a resource? Is this a, an organizational announcement of some type of change? That's when now you're going down that list, but starting primarily at what is the audience and what is the altitude? And for my audience wheelhouse, which generally is um, uh, leadership, I try to often think about what is the best way to do so with the most brevity. <laughs> and brevity is one of the tenets of communication that are super important from a corporate standpoint, because you can't 
you can't necessarily overdo it. Brevity is is pretty much king. I couldn't agree more. And I can tell you also why I couldn't agree more because I went through the uh, baptism of fire when it came to brevity, because um, uh, in a previous role, I was working uh, closely with the uh, marketing communications team in um, the APAC region. And uh, they'd asked me to like write um, write up interviews and write up speeches. And uh, some of the feedback that would sometimes come back is Christian you got to make this shorter. Yeah. Too wordy, too wordy. <laughs> too wordy. And especially, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, that really resonated with me, uh, what you said a couple of minutes ago. Um, the more senior the person gets. Yes. Um, in terms of the developing that communication, uh, the shorter uh, that communication should be. It, it should be succinct to the point. It should be backed up with facts where relevant, Right. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a, there's another thing that I was uh, thinking about as you were um, uh, giving your answer, and it's about, in one way or another, um, it's a fine balance between uh, storytelling and also um, trying to stick with, and I think you brought this up earlier, um, the voice of the company, yes. right? Can you yes, talk to that a little bit? Because I know that that can be challenging too. Yes, happily. And I want to also just put in another tenant to that too, as well Please. as kind of close on that previous portion. So mm -hmm. talked about wordiness and, and brevity, right? But for me, specifically in my role, as I, in a sense, am representing an executive, a senior executive, when you are overly wordy, I'm, I'm being mindful of our company standard, but equally you are now, you have a senior executive here. If we are using too much fluff and too much word, you have to think about what that conveys because you're also thinking as a reader and you know, you're putting yourself in the shoes of who's reading that. That can also convey doubt in a leader by excessive wordiness, your overuse of some prepositions here. Like those things I have to be dialed in on so that I'm preserving the integrity of my leader as much as I'm preserving the integrity of the company. Because I also have to be mindful of where some of those landmines could be in, in how we position ourselves and equally the perception that can be made here. I've often had to draft certain, um, certain communications, announcements, things of that nature. And at first pass, okay, and at second pass, I had to say, you know what, we might, um, there might be some perceived favoritism if we say this, if we phrase this this way, and I'll just make those call outs so that we can come to a decision, but it's my job to be, to be mindful of the connotation that's going to be taken. Uh, to your point about going into storytelling and, and having the voice of the company, there's two voices I'm matching. I'm matching the unique style of my executive that I represent. So you want to be authentic in that way. And then secondly, for the, the voice of the company is really the purpose of the company, which has to be embedded in the strategy and all of our communications. So at Cisco, our, our purpose is to power an inclusive future for all. So I have to be mindful that as I'm matching the style of my executive, I'm equally matching the purpose of what Cisco is, which is as I've mentioned, a power and inclusive future for all. So that has to be embedded in the messaging style, in the landing, the delivery, and again, the overall strategy. Yeah, that was a great answer. And um, I I think it's definitely, um, yeah, I, 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 I'm just sorry, I'm just grinning a little bit, like I couldn't agree more. It's definitely more challenging uh, to write something that's to the point and brief, but yet delivers that same impact, right? 
versus uh, drafting something that's a bit, like you said, verbose, or it's just uh, chock full of like uh, um, mm, bombastic well. words. <laughs> or 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 co- corporate abbreviations, right? Like um, oh, there's the, there's the whole there's the whole like uh, a- acronym piece, right? <laughs> oh my god! I, we used to have a rule on our team that was mm. like no acronym soup here. <laughs> We're not right. Do it. Literally right. had to explain everything, which is super helpful. But like I remember coming on and being inundated by acronyms, yeah. and then steadily I became that an acronym user, and I'm just like, oh yeah. my god. I'm leaving people behind now. I am now that person. <laughs> Let me do yeah, better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just get sucked into that trend as well, don't you? <laughs> so easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Being in the type of role that you're in, um, mm-hmm. I'd imagine that, especially when it comes to communications initiatives, you have to, I, I suppose it comes to the territory. You have to know how to deal with pushback. So any piece of advice you have for uh, other uh communications professionals out there that are struggling with, okay, how do I deal with that internal pushback and how do I deal with it in a way that's constructive? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. When it comes to pushback, I feel like you should be, you should be prepared for it equally. I think as a communications professional, you should be prepared for not all of your words and things to be accepted. (laughs) Not to say that it's bad. It's just, it may not be, it be, it may be a not now. Um, I personally have written announcements and, and communications and I'm just like, oh, that was super well said, girl. And I like what you, this is me talking to myself, Chris. I'm just like, oh, that was good. This was it. I am just hyping myself up. I kick it over and it's like, oh, do we need to say that? I'm like, darn, I really like that one. But I'm not going to say I'm not going to fight that because at the end of the day, you are, you know, you are providing kind of a skeleton of words and, and, you know, trying to get to a style as well as a direction. And you have to just be elastic. That's the best thing I can say. Be elastic, be flexible. Um, And as a creative, because it's really, you're serving in a creative function. As a creative, you have to trust that you can be equally inspired again. (laughs) And that even if it's a not a now, it's a not now, that that creativity can come back for the right time and for the right purposes. So I started to think of the words that I produce and and things that I create now as, you know what, if this works, it works, but I trust my innate creative ability to do this again and to do it to the satisfaction once again, if I need to, but it just may be a not now. And as far as pushback, I think it also needs to be understood within your roles and communications. You are in a very influential standing. So you are offering some suggestions for direction. I recommend providing options. Um, A lot of the leaders I've supported have responded to options. When you provide options, you are showing some of your stylistic breath, but equally that's influential because you're saying, hey, you can go this direction, you can go that direction, and you're using some shoe fitting. Because again, you're supporting, I am, but I'm speaking to that person who may be doing something similar. You are supporting a certain leader who may have their own style that you need to respect and you need to support. So again, being elastic, be flexible, trust your innate creativity. It's going to come back. And you also have to just shed the fact that it's also not you. You know, if you have your own pursuits, those things will stick. But even if you went to an editor, you know, with your own stuff or whatever have you, there is a bit of a shedding process for the sake of what the ultimate goal is and what the ultimate messaging is going to be. 
Absolutely, absolutely. I loved how you used the shoe analogy. You kind of gave gave it away there. Like, so how many pairs do you own? <laughs> Don't look in the closet, Christian. Don't look. <laughs> hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. You brought up so many great points, and I'd like to go back to a couple of them. One of them being that it's not about you. And I just remember going back to my advertising days, and one of the guys that mentored me through my first years in the industry was a copy-based creative director. And one of the best pieces of advice he ever gave me is, in an internal review, leave your ego at the door. That's it. Right? Don't get defensive. Don't get angry. Take the criticism, especially if it's to help make you better and improve. And I think that, you know, what you just said earlier, that's such a great attitude to have. And it's an important one, right? Because especially in bigger in bigger companies, you tend to go, th- go through, um, I would hazard a guess, multiple layers of approval. Yes, absolutely. Before you get the green light. <laughs> yes. And one of the things that kind of helped me now that I've you know, I've built up a little bit more of a regimen um, and can flex some more muscles in the role in this industry now. Mm -hmm. It was hard for me to understand at first because I was just so married to what I wrote. But as soon as I stopped getting defensive, start looking at it more loosely, you know, you have to understand it's probably going to go through a couple different hands. So it's going to potentially lose some of what you started with. But if I go into it knowing that some of that is going to shed, I'm not going to be as defensive either way because it's like, hey, I know that this is not the end point. This is in fact a draft, (laughs) a draft to get us to a point. So when I kind of adopt that mindset and that mentality, it gives me a little bit more freedom in accepting the feedback that's going to come because ultimately what is the goal it's the goal is to get this messaging down to where it needs to be and for it to go out in expeditiously or in the right amount of time that it needs to and that's fine but just again remembering it's it's not about you and that has also been um that's just one of those things you have to learn it's something you have to learn and when it comes to pushback as well i just wanted to add in there too um pushback should be expected Um, I think, again, as you're in an influential position, you probably can advocate for whatever that strategy is or what that that communication is. You can advocate for why you just adamantly think that this should be this way. And I believe that will be respected. You know, I think as you've gained some trust capital with your leadership, you have done and delivered a bit more. I think you can absolutely push back from yourself, but respectfully, because you're, again, coming from a place of influence and they're trusting your communications expertise. So if you really feel adamantly about a certain direction, I think you should be completely empowered to very respectfully push back and say, well, I believe that if we go this course and do X, Y, and Z, this would probably be better. And just validate your point. I have gotten into a habit of explaining my rationale on certain things when I feel like it's really important to do so. And it's usually well-received. I just understand it can go either way. It could be taken, it could be not, I'm gonna be fine. But when you explain your rationale, I think you're also kind of solidifying your 
your expertise because at the end of the day, they're coming to you for expertise. So they are expecting you to, in some sense, give a little bit of pushback because that's your domain, your zone of genius. So they, I think it would be well-received. Do expect it, be respectful, but you can give a little pushback. It won't hurt you, respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just drop in that little caveat, respectfully, all right? <laughs> don't create, don't make a scene. Going back to what you said earlier, it's definitely about not being married to a single idea unless you feel very strongly about it. I think putting out a couple of different options is always a good approach um, because as we used to, we used to call it, um, you know, if you're developing content, regardless of what it is, right, you're writing an article, you're writing a post and so forth, there will be a bit of trimming the tree, as we call it, right? So. Removing this sentence, uh, delete that word, or let's not use that kind of like uh, terminology and so on and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we get to the bit in the conversation where we talk about actionable tips. And let me just set this up because let's, uh, um, let's just assume that, you know, you can't do all of this overnight, right? Um, you know, you can't download an app and then, you, you know, you get, <laughs> you get instant results. At least I haven't heard of it yet. But um, what are some immediate steps that people in the communications role can take to improve their work with an organization. So specifically with regards to communication. So what are some quick wins? What should they focus on? Okay. I want to pad this with a disclaimer because it's really gonna be dependent on the organization and or function that you are supporting. Of course. Yeah. And what their strategic and business imperatives are. Because anything you're going to do, anything that you're going to do is essentially tied to what those imperatives are. So you have to first kind of conduct your own gap analysis, your own listening expedition of sorts, if you will. And you have to at least come from that standpoint. And assuming that you are beyond your first 90 days or whatever have you, do yourself the service of having your own listening expedition and showing that interest in what the organization's carebouts are. Secondly, from an, an immediate standpoint, you would be well served to present those gaps that you have found. And what that could look like, and this is not in a way to inundate you, but if you can possibly compile some of those problem areas that you've heard and maybe a suggested course of action for it. So as an example, if you have heard through your own expedition of listening that there has been um, this overall need to understand what a certain function does within the function, then that might be something on your list to do oh, so nobody understands what this shadow group of people here do? Okay, let's motion to provide that clarity. How would that look? Could we do an infographic? Who else do I need to talk to to find out what that looks like? And showing that interest and showing that you've seen a gap is going to demonstrate a couple things. One, that you are connected in the organization to what is happening? You have the interest because leading with curiosity goes such a long way and you should be genuinely curious, but you're demonstrating to your leadership, to the team that I am actually interested in what is happening here. Secondly, whether they take this up or not, you're showing that you've identified a gap that wasn't seen before or it was seen before and there was no action taken and you're going to try to do something about it. Whether it's taken or not, it's the display of curiosity 
and identification that is also cementing some of what your value add is. Maybe that was like not so actionable, but maybe it was. <laughs> Open to interpretation. <laughs> oh, <okay>. interpretation. <laughs> no, I, I thought those were some really great points. And I, I do think that those are actionable because certainly you have to conduct some kind of analysis or some kind of audit because you got to start from somewhere and you got to base your next steps on um, current initiatives, something that's already been rolled out. Is it working? Is it not working? And I think you brought up something that was really, I, I thought it was so spot on, leading with curiosity, which yep. goes back to the importance. And I don't know how you feel about this. Um, having having that journalist curiosity or looking at things from a journalistic perspective. So mm -hmm. like, just think of the way that a news reporter would cover a story, mm -hmm. right? So one of, one of the things we used to say all the time is like, okay, so this is the topic that the corporate communications team wants to talk about. Yeah. How many, how many angles can we go at this? Right. Mm -hmm. And how many ways can you tell that story? Right. And especially in, in the world of B2B, sometimes you, you get the feeling like you look at something and, uh, you know, at surface level, people might say, there's probably no story here, mm -hmm. but then it's the, it's the communications person's um, role to then say, actually, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Any, that's any thoughts on that? Like, uh, excuse me for rambling on there, but like, <laughs> no, 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 you were going somewhere, Christian. I'm just going to add a little portion. You were going somewhere. Um, I think the analogy of like a journalist and how they go about their story, the way they go to their sources, they bet this, they bet that. Um, it, it should be that same kind of curiosity that you have. Um, I think as you are in your exhibition of understanding the organization, I that's why it's, it's hard to make it specific without knowing the organization. But I struggled with that too, even coming into my role, like what would be a quick win? But I realized a quick win was my listening and gap analysis because I had to get up to speed with like, what is this organization? What am I supporting? And you have the value of objectivity. You were not sitting in this function. So you're coming in with fresh eyes, you're coming in with fresh ears, and that objectivity is actually in itself a quick win. You know, we, we look for more tangible, but that is actually a super quick win. If you want to form that into something more tangible, um, it may look like, actually asking, <laughs> hey, what has been top of mind? And that's a question I always ask. I always ask about top of minds. If you can pick three things, where have you been underserved? I ask about predecessors. I ask about previous. Was there support here before? Oh, there wasn't. Okay, so we're going something new. I, I'll take it all. I ask all the questions because I can't. <laughs> Because why not? Um, and it hasn't it hasn't not worked for me. Just I've just asked the questions because it works. Um, and as an example, one of the first things I did because I support an executive, like one of my quick wins was refreshing a bio. It's not huge, but it's actually huge because in doing that, I got to learn my executive. I got to ask more questions. It happened to be that there was that need, but refreshing a bio was a quick win because it served two purposes. I got to know my executive. I got to find out more about them. I got to get them some promotional material that they need, they use, et cetera. And that in itself was a quick win. It's, it's small, it's minor, but it was a quick win. We take the victories as they come is what I always used to say. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no, but like great point. I mean, like definitely uh, being a good listener helps, right? Because you know, in a, when you're in a communications role, you're in a position where you are collecting information and then you are retelling the story from an angle 
that takes the um, the recipient into account, the conveyor of said message into account, and the organization. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a delicate balance, isn't it? Yeah. And on that point, and we touched on storytelling earlier, mm-hmm. but we didn't all the way touch on it, but I wanted yeah. to say it just reminded me of that because in a communications role, I think it's not always said how much uh, synthesizing and collation that you're doing. Um, like my bread and butter is, is knowing a bit of everything. <laughs> I may not know the weeds of it, but I have to know a bit of everything. And I have a mentor who used to say to me like, oh, I know a little bit of everything, enough to be dangerous. <laughs> and this this mentor is not in communications, but this mentor, it, it goes with everything. And that's some of what you have to do in communication. You need to just know a little bit of everything, enough to be dangerous, enough to weave a story, enough to get to what that goal is. But I think it's really not said enough for us as communication professionals, as marketer, as marketers, how much synthesizing of information, you're taking bits from here, the collation and going through sources and et cetera. That is, that is for me, a large portion. By the time I actually get to write, that's the other part, but the collation, the synthesizing, the what parts make sense, that takes a majority of, of the mind power right there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you're probably gonna, Love me or hate me for this next question, but um, <laughs> metrics, love them or hate them, right? We have to find a way to prove to somebody, if not ourselves, that these communications initiatives are working. And back to your point about like identifying um, certain analyses or areas of improvement, um, attribution to varying degrees is crucial. So can you talk to us about like, what metrics um, communications professionals should be looking out for. Mm -hmm. As far as metrics go, I want to also say that that will depend on your organization and again, what function you're supporting. So we do have an audience of marketers. So if there's someone who's doing, who's doing product marketing, field marketing, you have a B2C customer, customer base that you're essentially being measured by. So whether it's in clicks, whether it's in conversions, leads later on, those are metrics that you can tie yourself to for the ultimate success of whatever your strategy is, how that's landing, how you're segmenting between events, et cetera. So you have those kinds of metrics, which are helpful. Um, in the communication sector, if you are supporting um, organizationally communications, or if you're supporting leaders as executives, your metrics for success are going to be changing a bit. And again, based on your organization, but you're going to look at, oh, well, how many, what was the open rate for this? If you actually tied call to action, then that could be tied to clicks in another area. So those are other things. Um, I know internally we have a lot of um, sentiment polling and, and pulsing that we do. So we can also tie some of our success to how those pollings are going because we've implemented a strategy at one point so that we can provide a more regular cadence and and outgoing. And hopefully that yields in our internal listening, a more positive result. People are feeling more informed, et cetera, et cetera. So those are just some examples I can think of offhand, but yeah, metrics have to be king. You got to see how, (laughs) how it's going. What's the success there? I think as you, for someone like me who's is working with an executive directly, I think sometimes those metrics can be a, le- a little bit more opaque sometimes because it's it's stylistic 
So like some of my, or most of my success is in how much I am nailing my executive's voice, um, how comfortable they're feeling as they are going into these um, speaking events, as they are outputting X, Y, and Z post, et cetera. Like some of that is a direct sentiment and then filtered into the leadership that they support. So it, it can just change. It really depends on your function. It can, it's really gonna depend on your role and what it's tied to. But as much as you can, even if those metrics aren't defined for you, look for some for yourself. I personally created some of my own success metrics in a sense um, that I just combine and I try to leverage where I can leverage them. But you know, if you're thinking of going into communications and or marketing, it should be part of your interview track asking about what does success look like in this role, um, asking from your future hiring manager how other people have been successful, what the organization's success is tied to, because as an individual contributor who is coming in, your success rolls up to your manager's success, which is tied to their manager's success. So it would behoove you to absolutely ask coming into the company. And even as you're in role, look for more success metrics you can tie to for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm I'm curious, you know, like, um, what's your take on metrics that are <laughs> not quantitative, right? So if you're talking about like, uh, you know, everybody's using this word now, dark social, right? Or, or these conversations that people are having in Slack channels or DMs, or, you know, they ask an industry peer, like, uh, how much importance do you put on uh, qualitative uh, metrics when it comes to communication. Mm -hmm. I haven't heard that term, the like dark web. You might have to go into dark. that a little more for me. Oh, dark social. Dark so social. dark social, yeah, dark social basically are, um, those are channels uh, that you cannot, uh, you know, you, you cannot see, you cannot control them and they cannot be measured by any type of attribution, right? Mm -hmm. So some of the examples I just gave, right? So people are having yeah. conversations in Slack channels or they're sending, or they're sending um, each other, uh, you know, DMs, or they're having a discussion like you and I are having, and you know, you cannot uh, measure that at least in a quantitative format. Yeah, I get that. Okay, mm. yeah, those are hard. Um, and I'm someone who has always been in a highly metricized role as someone who's been in sales and account management um, and making a transition into a communications role where there are metrics. And sometimes the qualitative portion is there and you want more quantitative. Um, so it's certainly a, a balance of sort. Um, and some of that is also just tied into like an overall satisfaction rate too, whether it's like the satisfaction within the organization, some of what I've mentioned with employee listening, which still can be in itself sometimes a bit um, more qualitative in nature than you want it to be. Um, but I, I am someone who's a little bit more biased towards quantitative, if it could be, but understanding that communications is essentially at, at the core and its function, it's kind of some sentiment, it's more sentiment based than it is like this input yields this output. <laughs> I have to, I have to acquiesce <laughs> to it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um... I'm going to give you a chance to get on your soapbox here, girl. And, um, and your response is going to be like, haven't I been on it already? Like, <laughs> haven't you been paying attention? Um, a status quo in communications, 
right? So in your specific area of expertise that you passionately disagree with and why? Oh my goodness. Come on, <laughs> off you go. <laughs> but I fundamentally disagree with and why? Oh my goodness. I have a couple thoughts here, um, but I want to stay on course. <laughs> sure, <laughs> not, sure. Not do too much of a, a tangent, but I, I don't know if this is a status quo or not, but something that I find that has come up is something that we've kind of already mentioned, which from a status quo perspective has been around like some of the analytics and stuff. And I don't know that I'm so strongly against it per se, but I just, I wish that it was, there was a better system here <laughs> um, for tying some of the output in your communications efforts for, you know, getting a brain reading on someone <laughs> as they're reading it, like, did their heart rate go up? Was there this inflection here? I don't know. It, that's probably way too much. But like that, that element can be a bit frustrating because you, you are producing words as a creative, you are getting to an end messaging style, you hope it lands. And there's just this, this question mark is, is it truly you know, um, not that every no one is revolting and on a strike per se, but you know, it's kind of subjective. You can read something and take a different connotation than what it intended or read into it. And to the best of our ability, we want to, you want to set a narrative. Um, you don't want a narrative set for you, but you also can't control people's interpretations as well. So I would say that portion can be a little bit frustrating. I don't know if that rolls into a status quo, but I would consider that just a little bit of a contention point of mine. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally hear you. I mean, sometimes it's a bit of a fine line, isn't it? Like um, whether, whether this will resonate with somebody that's reading it or whether they'll be so overcome with emotion, uh, probably not, but like, um, or, or or uh, how they would respond to, to this particular piece, right? This piece of content, right? Whether it's uh, it's something that will really like go to the heart of the matter and whether they'll say, hey, you know what? Um, actually, I do agree with that point and this is totally what we're about or whether they they take a stand and, and, and say, well, that's a controversial piece and I totally disagree with it, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Gerlin, as expected, this is such a great conversation. Um, thank you so much for coming on and, you know, sharing your um, expertise and your tips with the listeners. So uh, quick introduction to yourself and uh, how folks out there can get in touch with you. Certainly. Thank you again, Christian, for having me. This We knew it would be a great discussion and it was just that. It was easy to talk to you. It always is easy. That's half of our problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's indeed. Yes, but as for better or for worse. <laughs> But as Christian has mentioned, I am Gerlin Gersey, and you can reach me via LinkedIn, which is my full name on there. Uh, I would love to connect with you, meet you. You can easily hop into my DMs. I love meeting new people, connecting and gleaning. Um, a little bit more about me. I am currently in an executive communications role. I've mentioned that some of my history has been in sales and account management. So I have had the pleasure of working with marketing professionals also while creating revenue, generating revenue, upselling, cross-selling, got to do all the things and I love that. When I'm not on the communications bent, I am an advocate for grief. So I am very passionate about the grief process, how we perceive loss and would love to even talk to anyone about that as 
you have any thoughts and questions around it. So please, if you want to reach out on all things sales or communications, I am your person for that. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and that is indeed, if I may say so, a very noble cause. Um, definitely not an easy topic uh, to address. That's for sure. Thank you, Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for coming on. So take care, stay safe, and uh, talk to you soon. Likewise. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.